What does it take to win? What does it take to be a winner? Those are the questions I'm here to answer. And today I have help from Austin Chambers, a superstar in Republican campaign circles. Look, I just remembered this guy coming out of nowhere. He was a consultant on a big governor's race I was doing, and the dude was just 20 years old. He wasn't even able to drink on the campaign. Then he did Kay Ivey and David Perdue, and then he became the executive director of the Republican State Leadership Committee. Austin knows what it takes to win, so listen up for some really great advice. You know, the one thing that interested me about you is uh, you kind of came out of nowhere, man. You're young and um, you were managing like these massive races at an age I'd never seen anybody like in your 20s, man. Like, where where did you come from? How did that happen so quick? Well, that's a great question. I uh, I don't know. I've always been the weird kid that loved politics. I don't I don't know what it is. I, I was just sort of born with this addiction to politics. I've started volunteering in politics when I was 12. And then I realized that, my God, these these are people that actually make money in this thing. This could, this could be a career. Uh, so I got my first paid job when I was 14, managed my first race when I was 17 and won my first governor's race um, primary when I was 20 and general when I was 21. So um, I always wanted to go to college and like do the normal kid thing and go to law school and be a lawyer. But when I uh, when I found out that politics wasn't just a, a passion, it was also a profession for people, I was then very quickly diverted and almost failed out of high school because of it. But uh, I have no regrets and it's all been great. It's very similar to my story, man, except your ascension was quicker. Like you, you hitched your wagon to better horses because um, by the way, my voice is messed up. because I've been in bed for like two weeks with the flu. So excuse me. Um, but I got my first campaign gig when I was 15 too. And then I became a page at the South Carolina state house. And, you know, I grew up as a poor kid and I met all these people and I was like, wait, you get, you get paid to do politics. Yeah. So it's Sam, crazy. What are you, uh, what are you mostly working on right now? What's got you busy? So what I'm doing a lot of right now is um, a corporate consulting, helping companies navigate state governments. So I most uh, last cycle, I ran the Republican State Leadership Committee. Uh, we did all of the down ballot state legislative races, you know, state house, state senate, lieutenant governor, secretary of state, ag commissioner, judges, a bunch of other stuff that are all down ballot. And we had great success there. We won everything we needed to win for redistricting. So when that was over, I decided to set up a new consulting shop to focus on corporate consulting, uh, helping companies navigate state government, and then continuing to do some political consulting too, because you can never walk away from it. So have about a half a dozen political clients and then about a dozen or so corporate clients. And it's uh, it's been a ton of fun. That's smart, man. Um, you know, when I was doing SeaWorld for five years, I basically stepped out of political circles for like two cycles and it killed me. And I know yeah, you, still you can never leave. Head. Yeah, you can never like, leave. watching those two cycles and we were still doing some political stuff, but we weren't doing like any of the major races. And I felt so yeah. just left out. And I, like, I, I felt like a part of me was missing. Yeah, totally. It's uh, it becomes a driving part of who we are. It becomes a part of our identity. We've, we've got to stay ingrained in it. We've got to stay plugged into it. Yeah. It's not necessarily what we do. It's, it's who we are. It, it becomes yeah. a part of us. And, you know, which is really the, like the point of this whole podcast, man, like for me, it's, 
it's not even really the politics or the government fight uh, part of it. It's the fight. Like I like the win, right? It's that, it's that urge to win. I think we're a lot like athletes, right? Like when I hear a lot about Kobe Bryant, it's just that like insatiable desire to win. Is that what it is for you? Cause that's certainly what it is for me. Totally. You know, one of my biggest mentors in politics is Haley Barber. And he always says the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. I actually named my company after that saying main thing strategies. For me, the main thing has always been winning. And um, I say that everywhere I go, the main thing is keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is winning. We got to do whatever it takes, however it takes to get to our ultimate objective of winning because losing isn't an option. That's right. Um, You know, I don't think I ever told you this, but I really appreciate Haley Barber not running for president because um, they they approached me and and basically offered me the job to run the digital operation for Haley Barber for president. Henry did. And uh, it it would have required me and my my wife to move to Jackson, Mississippi. And I don't know if you've ever been to Jackson, Mississippi, but uh, it's not necessarily some place that I, you know, leave in (laughs) Charleston, not somewhere that I would have wanted to move, but I would have done it for him. You know, he's probably the only person that uh, could convince us to do that. I've got some good friends that live in Jackson, and I always say I, I'm happy to come visit you. Right, right. For like one night, a night, yeah. and and then we're out of there. So, um, man, I know you've done some some pretty massive races. Like, what? Give me a few names of, of some of your biggest ones. Yeah, I uh, you know my first governor's race that I did was um, was Eric Greitens' race for governor back in 2016, and we can talk about that because. We were actually just involved in the effort to make sure that he did not win that Senate race in uh, in Missouri, because um, back then we didn't know the kind of person that he is. Today, we do know the kind of person that he is, but it was a great race. And we can talk some more about that. But that's actually been involved. Right. That's, yeah, that's exactly. That. And that was I was I was 20. I was 20 when we won that primary. I couldn't legally drink on election night, but legally is the key word there. And uh, 21. <laughs> Yeah. And that's what I was saying. I didn't mean to interrupt, but like whenever I said, you know, you kind of came out of nowhere, I was doing digital on that race for a little while. And I was like, this dude's 20 years old and he's the GC on this thing. That's insane. But yeah, Yeah, I mean, uh, how much of a baller you were though. Yeah. We had a ton of fun on that and then did a lot of great work with, um, with the RGA in the 2018 cycle, got to work with some great governors there. In addition to doing some GCing on some governor's races and, one of my um, colleagues at the time, uh, Nick Ayers, became chief of staff to Mike Pence, so got plugged in in the, the Pence world and the Trump world at that point, uh, then went on to run the RSLC in, uh, in Washington, ended up running David Perdue's Senate runoff in 2020, which was just a, a total um, you know, experience like no one had ever had before because the entire country was watching those two races. So it's been a fun few years and uh, excited for for what's to come. I think 2024 is going to be even crazier and look forward to all of us being at the center of it. Do you think I and my fellow colleagues here at Push Digital are about to have a David Perdue 2020 runoff experience? I, I uh, for y'all's sake, I hope you win it outright and you don't have it because I shake just at the thought of another runoff but uh it'll be a ton of fun if you do go through it but at least it's not nine weeks uh yeah exactly y'all had it a lot longer but uh the thought of herschel going to a runoff and um it's just nice to just say it to be over after election day 
for 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 our country's sake and for your sake, what I hope happens is we win the Senate majority on election night, and then Herschel wins the runoff, so that it's not as much pressure yeah. uh, as the two Senate races determining the Senate majority. So let's win the majority outright in November, and then add Cushion with Herschel winning the runoff. I mean, yeah, it was chaos because y'all had you had two going on at the same time. You had the president raising all kind of hell about Georgia at the same time. But of all these campaigns you worked and on- And you had COVID still going oh, on in the middle yeah. of it, which was complicating campaigning. So, I mean, it was just and crazy. The sheer amount of money because you know we had raised for Lindsay in that cycle over $100 million. And we thought you know nobody's <laughs> ever going to touch that again. And then both Purdue and Loeffler came in and raised even more than that yeah. in like nine weeks. Yeah. It was crazy. But um, look, it was an example of, look, the entire party infrastructure united together. Everybody put any type of difference that they had aside and everybody was working together towards a common objective. It was an amazing experience that I was proud to be a small part of. And um, I, I look back on it with many great memories. It also shows how uh, these races, the dynamics have changed in that a U.S. Senate race is no longer a state race. Like these yeah. are these are legitimately national races, and some of these guys are raising as much money as a presidential candidate. I mean, Barack Obama didn't raise that much money as you guys did in a U.S. Senate race in nine weeks. So we yeah. got all the eyes from everybody in the country, especially whenever it's um, you know the, the Senate itself is you know can go back and forth. Well, you know, Chuck Schumer gave us that gift uh, a few days into the uh, into the runoff. It was like the Sunday after the election, if I remember correctly, um, after the November election, when he made that comment in a parade in New York, he said, now we take Georgia, then we change America. Well, that was the should have been the entire message throughout the runoff. And we, of course, tried to make that the message, but we had our messenger on our side overhanging all of that as well. So we had these competing forces outside of the state that were driving things inside of the state. So you're absolutely right. I mean, it's getting to that point that so goes Georgia, or as goes Georgia, so goes America. And, and that, that on, might in, be the case. Every race. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So of all these races, I, I want to hear your favorite campaign war story, man. Like, what was your favorite? It doesn't even have to be the biggest, man. What was, what was like your, your favorite that you learned the most from? You know, when I saw that question uh, this morning, when I was thinking about it, I uh, it's hard to identify just one, as you know, when you're when all of these are flowing together. Uh, but as I look back, I think the the experience I've learned the most from was definitely Greitens' campaign in 2016 because I was so young, because it was such a big race. He wasn't supposed to win that general. He was running against the toughest Democrat in the country who was a, Demo a conservative Democrat endorsed by the Farm Bureau, endorsed by the NRA, who had basically been governor-elect for the eight years that he was waiting. Um, he wasn't supposed to win the primary because he came out of nowhere. He had never run for office before, was running against a self-funder, running against a lieutenant governor, running against a speaker. Uh, but we built a really good team and we just stayed focused every single day. And I think the thing I learned the most uh, from that that I still apply every single day today is from our good friend Todd Harris. When he oh taught me early on, he said, lean in. When we were facing a crisis, when we were facing a problem, when we were facing adversity or an obstacle or something had been thrown at us, his advice very early on was lean in. And as a young kid, uh, I took that to heart. And on every single problem that we faced, when people would start attacking us or when the press would do something bad or when we'd get thrown off 
We'd simply lean in on it and try and turn it into a positive. And I think the best example of that is in the final four or five days of the election, the primary election, we had gotten our poll back. Uh, we had a, a great pollster, Dave Sackett. We had gotten our poll back and we were, I think, up one or two points out. We were still inside of the margin of error, but the momentum was moving our direction in those final few days. And uh, that Thursday morning, I think it was, the Democrat Governors Association went up with a million dollar buy attacking us on TV over those final couple of days of the election. And we had sustained a lot of brutal attacks, but this was the worst one yet. So, of course, when you see that big buy come through and you see that horrible negative ad come through, you're like, oh, this is awful. But in fact, we did the opposite. We leaned in on it because if the Democrats are attacking you, they're scared of you, which means they they don't want to face you. And if you're the Republican that the Democrats are going after, then you are the Republican that the Republicans should be for. So what we did is we immediately put up a response ad saying the Democrats are coming after us. We hosted a press conference uh, the next morning outside of the Democrat Party, state party, Democrat headquarters. They had a bunch of protesters that came and protested us. So it was this great visual of the Democrats protesting uh, the Republican. And that dominated the news coverage for those final couple of days of the election. It was how the Democrats were coming after Greitens. The Democrats were scared of Greitens. And we went on to win on Tuesday by 10 points. So we took the momentum that we had. The negative came in and tried to stop that momentum, and we took their negative and threw it back on them in a way that they never would have expected, and we won the election by 10 points, uh, and it was a great win. So that sort of lean-in mentality and that that strategy of take what they're throwing at you and turn it back on them is something that I've used many times since, and I try and encourage everybody to do on teams that I'm working on now is don't be scared, don't be thrown off, don't be distracted, take it and lean in. Um, and I think that's some great advice that I've learned that I hope others will take to heart as well. Oh, man, I, I love that. Um, I got to ask, though, because you brought it up in the beginning, you said we could talk about Greitens and you and I have texted back and forth about Eric a good bit. So I know you and I have very similar views on him. You know, when you when you meet him, he's so impressive and he is a winner. He comes across as the kind of guy that wins. Um if you don't mind being open, wait, what do you think happened to him? It, did he just get in his own way? Is he the kind of guy? Is it just ego? Because a lot of winners have big egos. What do you think it is? Um, it's it's two things. One, he thought he was invincible, and what I mean by that is what ultimately took him down. The issue with the hairdresser, he filed to run for governor in February of 2015. I met him, I think, in late August, early September of 2015 and started working with him. But he started this affair with the hairdresser in March of 2015. So even though he had already filed to run for governor, he thought none of that was going to matter because it was all going to stay hidden. He was invincible. Nothing could touch him. So one, his invincible mentality certainly caught up with him. But from just a tactical standpoint, Eric was a fantastic candidate in the governor's race because he was really good at performing. Mm-hmm. He was really good at staying on message. He was really good at delivering speeches. He was really good at ads. When he knew what he needed to do and you said, hey, I need you to do this, this, and this, he would go do it better than anyone else. He'd do it to a T and he wouldn't miss a beat. 
he was not the type of politician who can necessarily think on his feet or have really good political judgment himself. So when he was surrounded by a good team or when he had a controlled environment around him, he was unstoppable in many cases, yeah. unless he did it to himself, like with the mistake that he made with the hairdresser. Um, but what you saw in the Senate race is he had no one really around him and he was out for revenge. And when you combine those two things together, nothing good is going to come out of that. So, look, uh, when we knew him, we didn't know that he was this kind of person. Uh, I'm great friends with uh, with his wife and I think the world of his wife and feel for his kids and his wife and his ex-wife and what they've gone through. Um, but, you know, it's a good thing that he didn't run for U.S. Senate. The better political move for him, or or it's a good thing he didn't win the U.S. Senate race, I should say. I think the better political move for him would have been waiting and running for governor again because he wouldn't have had all the national attention that he had in a Senate race and all the national forces coming into a Senate race. But he was in a hurry and he didn't do things the right way. Uh, I told him right after he resigned, one of the last times I spoke to him, I told him, I said, you need to You need to actually spend the next few years redeeming yourself. You need to ask for forgiveness. You need to seek redemption. You need to repair the relationship with your then wife and kids. And you need to go about this the right way because everybody loves a redemption story. But everybody doesn't love what he went about and did. Uh, I mean, you you look in South Carolina at Sanford. I mean, he was able to redeem himself for a short period of time. He ended up losing, of course, for other reasons, but he redeemed himself from what happened. Yeah. Um, why do you think he didn't take your advice? Do you think it's just ego? He just wanted to move too fast, just too eager. Is he just one of these guys? And I can see the self, I can see this in me. You know, I'm one of these guys that can't sit still, right? I got to be always doing something. Do you, do you think that's maybe what it was? He just, he couldn't sit back and, and just watch? You know, I think that's probably it. I mean, he was determined to be president of the United States. And I think he thought that if he could get president, if he could get Trump's endorsement, and win a Senate race, then everything he had done in the past would be washed away mm-hmm. and he would have a clean slate. He'd have six years in Washington to build up his brand, get a bunch of, you know, media attention, conservative media attention and uh, and build up from there. I assume that was his thinking. He never explained that to me, but wow. I know him about as well as he knows himself. And uh, that's what I assume. I mean, I ask these questions because, I mean, you know this because, like, you've won a lot of big things, but you've lost. Like, we've all we've all yeah. lost a good bit, right? And you you learn a, a hell of a lot more, I believe, from your losses than your wins. But it's always nice to learn from someone else's losses, right, yeah. and identifying what they do. And I think winning is about micro wins. Like, to get the big win, it's about winning every day, like little micro wins every day, right? Raising a little bit of money every day, going to the grassroots thing every day, these little micro wins. But as you as you rack up 10 micro wins, you're going to have three or four losses too. So figuring totally. out what those losses are and how to overcome those losses is really the only way to win. So it, it was really going to be one of my last questions for you. I mean, can you think of any like, what, what's like your loss that you think about more than anything else? Are there any things that like, come to mind like i got some state like a state senate win or loss i'm sorry here in south carolina that's always just like potent that i can never really not think about so look look i've certainly learned a lot more from my losses in politics and have become a better person uh from my losses in politics than necessarily the wins uh and i've had some some big losses um i wouldn't change anything about him, you know, losing the Louisiana governor's race in 2019. That was a, that was a tough one. 
Um, we, John Bell Edwards was a tough opponent. We ran, I think a good campaign and did everything we could to win, but ultimately it didn't end up in our favor. Um, the primary for governor in Georgia this time around, that was a tough one. Um, I did governor Kemp's race in 2018. I love governor Kemp, uh, but David Perdue's like a a dad to me. I'm I've, I've lived with him. I've known him since I was 17 years old. And, you know, I, I did that as a, as a friend and a volunteer and, uh, I, I, I hope I'm never put in a position like that to choose I, dude, again, I, but I'll I always it. choose family. It's um, so funny you say that because this state Senate race that I was just talking about, and I, I still run the Senate Republican caucus. The state Senate is just very near and dear to my heart. And if I ever were to run for office, which will probably be never, it's the one seat I would go for. Is the, <laughs> but I lost this race a couple cycles ago because a friend asked me to do it, it was nothing more than a personal yeah. favor. And I got my yeah. ass. So maybe that's the lesson from this is like, don't take yeah. races for personal favors. <laughs> there you go. But I think the the biggest uh, thing, the the one race that I look back on and I've learned the most from is when I was 17 years old, I was campaign manager on a state Senate race in Virginia that was to determine the majority in the state Senate uh, to replace Ralph Northam, who had just been elected lieutenant governor at the time. Uh, we were running in a district that Barack Obama had won, I think, 58% of the vote in. Uh, and we were running in a short special election in, in January. And we lost that race by nine votes out of more than 20,000 votes cast. And um, I look back on that all the time and say, have we done everything we can possibly do to make sure we don't come up nine votes short? Have we done everything we can possibly do to make sure we're never put into this position again? So that's... Uh, even as a 17 year old kid and just on a state Senate race, there are so many lessons from that, uh, that I apply to bigger challenges today, both on the corporate side and on the political side. Man, that's awesome. I, I got it. Before I let you go, I got a, more of a personal question, if that's okay. How's your fitness yeah. going? Good. I, uh, I feel great. You know, I'm down more than, uh, than 60 pounds from when I started, I've got another 15 pounds or so that I want to go. I've gotten off of the fast in the last couple of days here with this uh, last few weeks of the general election, but I need to get right. back on it. Uh, but I feel better than I felt in a long time. And I'm trying to get over a sinus infection right now, but that's uh, once I can get that kicked, I'll be a hundred percent. Man, I'm so proud of you. And, and you know me by now, I get more proud of people for like those kind of things than I do like yeah. their big wins. Are you finding that it helps you politically? I find that the fitter I become, the the better my mind works. When I'm not eating shit, totally. I'm not drinking, I'm just faster. I'm I'm writing better ads. I'm coming up with better yep. strategies. You feel the same way? Hundred percent. And it's during the fasting hours where it's the best. When I haven't eaten in you know eighteen hours or twenty hours, uh, that's when I'm really thinking at my best because I've just got a little bit of coffee and water and I'm focused on how do we get to where we need to go. Well, I mean, like last thing I want to say, don't be shy about sharing that story, man, because. Like we are in an industry that's so unhealthy and so many of our colleagues, because like, it's just living on airplanes, eating pizza. So, so much of our, our work is around alcohol. And so many of our colleagues, I think are eating and drinking themselves into an early grave. And um, I don't think they realize what's going on. So when I see someone like you, that's lost 60 pounds rather quickly through hard work, I'm like, Holy shit, man. Like get on Twitter, get on Facebook, get on Insta, like tell all your buddies that story so that you're inspiring them to do the same thing, man, because we could probably sit here and name 25 political consultants right now that we think are going to die 20 years early because they're not doing what you're doing now. We only get to live once and we don't get more time to do it. 
That's right, brother. Well, look, man, I'm proud of you, and I appreciate you chatting with me today, man. Appreciate you. Best of luck, and uh, go Herschel. Let's win this thing in November so we don't have a runoff. Yes, sir. Thanks, brother. Thanks. Talk to you soon.